Welcome to Radius Conversations, where we want to do real life with real faith. Our purpose here is to dive into practical questions about how to glorify God with people who have experience from a biblical worldview. I'm your host, Mariah Levitt. Joining me today is Donna and Barry Johns. Excited to have you two sitting in talking a little more about marriage this uh, February Valentine season. Uh, would y'all mind just kind of introducing yourself? Who are you? How long have you been married? Any other fun facts? Yeah, as you said, we're Barry and Donna Johns. Um, we've been in Lexington for 31, 32 years, and, um, but we've been married for 38 years and um, met on a blind date set wow. up by a friend of mine that was uh, a, also a friend of hers. And uh, uh, we hit it off very well, except uh, her dad was a big Clemson fan, so uh, <laughs> he entered, he was uh, introduced and called me a Carolina bum. So, uh, and it, it kind of went from there. <laughs> Um, yeah, we met on a blind date, and um, it was, I had never been on a blind date before, that it wasn't a double date, that there wasn't other people with us, and so that was really scary. I had um, a friend stationed in the lobby, um, just in case, you know, I don't know what um, I was going to do if, if I might have run, but, um, you know, she gave me a big thumbs up, like, Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be good. And I was, gave her a big smile, and we went on our date. And um, he kissed me um, several times wow. that night. Bold. My children say, Dad, you kissed her on the first date? I'm like, yeah. Um, and um, after the date... I, we lived on the third floor of our college dorm, and I raced up those stairs um, to my awaiting roommate because she was waiting to hear about this, you know, blind date. And I just jumped on her bed and said, oh, Sherry, I was born to kiss that boy. <laughs> and um, as the Lord would have it, I was. Oh, my goodness. Look at y'all now. <laughs> Look at us now. By, only by grace. <laughs> well, let's just dive in and uh, talk more about marriage. So would love to hear um, what y'all, when, you, when you're talking about marriage, what do you think is the most important thing in a Christian marriage? Well, it helps if you're on the same page um, or as uh, I guess in the Bible it talks about being equally yoked. And um, um, I can't say that we exactly were, but we were starting out on the on the uh, pretty much on the same page, but um, it took a lot of work and development over the years to, um, and it's and it still is. It's a constant process of uh, of uh, work and um, and being intentional about working on your marriage. You said it in the word Christian marriage. It's Christ. If we don't center on him, you've got two very sinful people coming together to live 24-7, to learn how to cooperate, to learn how to complement each other um, in task and just a household and doing work and doing life. And 
if we don't have Christ, we're sunk. And I'm just grateful, um, as Barry said, we were believers, um, but we weren't strong in our faith at all. We had kind of, I know I had missed a, a great time of development in my youth, and um, so we were, we were just starting out, but God directed us to a church, um, and we tell our Sunday school teachers, um, back in the day it was Sunday school where you did your discipleship in your community, and um, that became the foundation for our marriage, where we learned about God, where we learned about who He is and what He had given us, and what um, the Barry mentioned work, that grace-filled effort that you have to prioritize your marriage. It's His idea, and it's it's for His glory. Um, so, and as Barry also said, it's a process of becoming one flesh, but um, it is that process of growing together. And you just kind of hit on, you know, y'all got plugged into a church. Um, what are some more practical ways that you can keep your marriage before the Lord? Or um, you kind of talked about being equally yoked. What does that look like in marriage? Um, well, for us, I think... Um, once we got plugged into a, a church and started to um, to grow, uh, we we learned that um, we needed to be intentional about uh, being in fellowship with other believers that were um, going through the same things that we were going. But also, we were very fortunate and blessed to have mentors that. Um, you know, uh, worked with us or answered we could call or either led in a study. And, um, you know, these people helped to um, guide us and direct us and and encourage us to go. Uh, we did, uh, we used to go to um, a lot of marriage retreats and we would do studies together. And those things gave us, uh, taught us how to do what we call knee-to-knee time or, you know, where they used to make you kind of sit together and, and look at each other eyeball to eyeball. And uh, and it, it put us at another level of intimacy that, that we didn't have before. And um, it's, it's, it's a special kind of intimacy where you're, you're um, you know, growing together. I agree. Um, we've just been so blessed by people investing in us and in our marriage. And to me, that's what discipleship is about. And in the community of faith, we um, we have peers that we do life with and are kind of in the same season of life. But we've also have people that have gone before us that had been married longer than we were and... Um, again, as Barry said, faced some of the challenges that we were facing and, and helped us through. The, the times of intense teaching in marriage retreats, I mean, that's where you really get some huge insights, knowledge, wisdom that you can hang your hat on. Um, we're very blessed that we had that in our lives. I mean, yearly, we would make that a priority, and it's fun. Yes, it's it's a lot of teaching, but it's discussion. It's 
games, it's um, worship, and then, of course, they were always a date time where you were just the two of you, where um, you just enjoyed being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love uh, the phrase you use, knee to knee time, just sitting there, I just imagine sitting there looking at each other, knees <laughs> knees pressed together, um, in a culture where high capacity or doing a lot of things at once is so valued, knee to knee seems almost impossible. Like you're supposed to be, you know, running out in separate directions, doing what, what culture is saying you need to be doing, getting a lot of things done with extracurriculars or with your kids or, um, even fun traveling excursions or whatever it is. So how do you prioritize, like you're talking about marriage retreats and spending time just looking at each other and talking to each other and having mentors pour into you. Um, what are some like practical ways couples can prioritize their marriage? Many times you hear people talk about having a date night and those kind of things, and that's important. But I think, um, you know, for me, and when we were younger in particular, it was setting boundaries um, at work and that kind of thing. I worked in a – I was a plant manager for a, a large uh, corporation um, manufacturing company, and it was 24-7. And so one of the rules that we just kind of came up with is that I'm going to be home, you know, before 6 o'clock, except Thursday. Thursday was my late night. And um, that simple decision and and boundary setting helped us so much because I might work till 3 in the morning. That just, and that sounds such a simple thing, but just drawing that line in the sand and creating those boundaries prioritize our family and prioritize our marriage. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's a passage in Mark that talks about where the disciples um, had been ministering and, and Jesus says, come apart with me for a while and rest. And maybe he even says, you haven't even had anything to eat. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But it's that intentional stepping back um, of recognizing, even doing great things, doing things with your kids and being involved in church and all of those things, those are great. But if time is taking away from your most important earthly relationship, the thing that holds everything else together as far as your family, you know, then if you're running on fumes, you're not going to run well very long. You're going to hit the wall. And um, as Barry said, recognizing those times, because everybody goes through those times um, when you have young children, um, they're demanding. They're, they're 24-7. Um, but, you know, we paid babysitters. We had friends that we traded off. We didn't have the great gift of having family in town, except my brother and his wife, and they, they kept our children for us. But just making that a priority is something we had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... We've talked a lot about time. It seems like prioritizing each other and doing things together. Um, but what sets us apart is our spiritual growth. So how do y'all pray together? How do you 
or, or do you do it separate or reading the word? Just how do you um, also prioritize your spiritual growth um, instead of just, you know, your marriage? Um, I, I wish I could say that our, our prayer life was together was perfect, and it's not. Um, it's sporadic at best, I guess, at times. Um, I do uh, uh, individually, though, we, uh, we have our time um, daily pretty much um, that we do whatever study we do, and, uh, and then we have our small group that brings us together to do things. And, but I think that uh, one of the things I've seen in our prayer life is um, prayer has been our bring us back together go-to. Um, I think we've been, we've been married long enough now that when we see a tension or feel a tension going on in the day, that we come to that and we pray together, and it it's a miracle <laughs> to coin a phrase um, to uh, what that does for for us in that moment, um, how it calms things down, and how it settles us, and and gives us a priority of of, uh, of what's going on in that day. So. Well, I agree. Uh, prayer is a lifeline. Um, it's something that is essential. In our marriage, um, you know, it didn't start off that way because it's awkward at first. I mean, I don't remember how old we were or when we started, but, um, you know, it's it feels like you're burying your soul. And it's, it's, but it's, it's an intimacy that you don't experience with your clothes on, at least. Um, and it's... It is really, it does knit our hearts together. It it gives me a glimpse of Barry's heart that I may not get anywhere else. And um, and as Barry said, I, I'm, I feel sure he initiated it, but sometimes it's just extending a hand during those moments where, you know, we're just grouchy with each other and short with each other. And it doesn't matter who does it, but it now it's it's a signal in our marriage. Ooh, we need to stop and pray. And again, there are times where he may extend his hand. I don't want to hold his hand right then. I don't like him very much. But it's the reminder that this is about God. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's in Ecclesiastes. And if we bring God into that moment through prayer, as Barry said, it changes everything. It diffuses the situation, and it reminds us of who he is and and who we are as his children and what he's given and it just leads to reconciliation and just a pause and, and change of tone of our voices, change of our words, change of our attitudes. Very thankful. Yeah, so you've both kind of hit on how there's highs and lows, ups and downs, good times, bad times. When you're in a season where you start seeing something go in front of your relationship with God, either each other or your kids or work or whatever that is. Um, how have y'all recentered your relationship back on the Lord? At first we, you know, have to, you have to recognize it and, and discuss it. Um, 
talk about what's going on. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to have friends and people we can go to to help us get through it. And um, I remember one time when we were probably, as I look back, my memory's real short, so I don't remember things too well. um, (laughs) But uh, we were having a tough time, and we were fairly young, and it was probably the worst time I can remember. And that weekend, we went to Black Mountain to a marriage retreat with um, our young people in our church. And that weekend, being there, that knee-to-knee time, saved our marriage. And uh, it was, uh, I think it was, it was ordained for us to be there. But it also, we learned a lot and, and were taught uh, tools or things to do to help us uh, improve our marriage. When I think about, there's a passage in Song of Solomon 2.15 that says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, um, our vineyards that are in bloom. And, you know, so often it's the little things in marriage that just start building up. And as Barry said, recognizing that there is a small mound of things that we are building up against each other um, before it gets to be a mountain. So many times we've talked with couples and it's like their last ditch effort when they talk to someone else or when they decide to go to counseling. And for us, we've just been blessed in that. And again, we learned that at a marriage retreat that we've got to recognize the things that are stealing from us, whether it's you know our own commitments or things going on in our lives with work or family or friends or whatever, um, and and make a change, not just continue in that same pattern and wait until we get into a big ditch and then we don't know how to get out. Y'all have talked a little bit about how you're both pushing in the same direction towards the Lord. And earlier you mentioned equally yoked Barry, um, for couples, which is not uncommon to have one spouse who is more adamant about their faith or pursuing the Lord and one spouse who is not, um, how would you encourage them to strengthen their marriage if their spouse is not pursuing Christ? You know, we've talked about this and, um, one of the things I think we recognize is that there is one answer for a man, and I think there's another answer for a woman. <laughs> and um, as a man, you know, we're called to lead our families and um, our household. And when I think about if there's an unbelieving or a, a wife that is not really growing in her faith, for a man to lead her with strength and tenderness and to show her a Christ-like love, there's really, I don't believe there's too many women in this world that won't surrender to that kind of love. We love to be pursued. We love to be cherished. And if a man is doing that and she understands that that is through Christ, she's going to want that kind 
of love that can only come from Christ. And I think if it's a woman who is growing in the Lord and her husband is not at that moment, what we want to do as women is we want to help them along. We want to give them some books and we want to, you know, put that invitation to go to the men's night right on their nightstand or let's put it this way. And that is the worst thing we can do. Because once again, we're not trusting that God um, can do this, that he can draw him to himself. Um, I remember Tony Evans saying, women, if you would just duck and let um, God get a hold to him, you'd all be better off. And and so, you know, it, it says in 1 Peter 3, 1, that a, a husband can be one without words by that godly behavior of their wives. And we can't push or pull our husbands, but we can pray and we can love them well. We can come alongside of them. We can um, just nurture in a way that's loving and kind, and we can affirm them. You know, Proverbs says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one with her own hands tears it down. Sometimes as believers, wanting to get our husband to go along, and we're really tearing it down and um it's something only God can do but we can pray we can be faithful to his promises and who he is and and just love and respect a reminder that radius church exists to glorify God by making disciples planning churches and living generously This has been Radius Conversations. We'll see you next time.